Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Daryl's Daring Thoughts. Thank you for joining me. I have a very special guest here with me. Um, she's a very good friend of mine. We've done theater together. It's kind of what that's where we met actually. And she's just been a beacon of light um, in my life for some years now. And her name is Cherish. Hey, Cherish. Hi. I'm so, <laughs> that's, so, that's such a beautiful introduction. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so I brought Cherish on, you guys, to talk about love and, you know, the great things about love and being open to love and um, regardless of past hurt and opening ourselves up and how scary that could be. And I wanted Cherish to be yeah. my guest to talk about that because, as I told you, Cherish, you're one of the only friends in my circle that is is that is married. Um, and I do have friends that are engaged and things like that. But um, I knew you mm-hmm. when you weren't married and you have always yeah. been a woman of knowing your worth and not settling and it's something I admired uh something I truly admired about you and you know when I was at your wedding I just saw the love and it was just a it was just a breath of fresh air to witness um you know black Mm. black black love is just always something special yeah and seeing your love blossom like that was just a very amazing thing and so I, it really was. I'm not just saying that. And so I really <laughs> wanted you to come on here to help me have this conversation. Um, mm-hmm. Side note, y'all, Cherish is actually the first woman I have ever kissed. Oh. <laughs> yes, I just had to say that because it's the truth. We're in, we're in a play. <laughs> one of the best plays I've yeah. ever done. And oh, so fun! Yes, and we struggled with that scene for a little minute, but we made we it work. Yeah, that is so funny. That is so funny. But that was the first, um, like acting kiss I, I had ever done. So it was something new and different for both of us. Yep. And the director was just—I think at one point he's like, "Look, I need—I need y'all to get this." Yes, he did. <laughs> together. <laughs> He was like, y'all got to do oh this. My God. And we did y'all it. Y'all have to do this. We did it. We did it. Oh, my God. We did it. And from that <laughs> moment on, I like, I need Cherish in my life. <laughs> so let's get down oh to this, Cherish. Let's just get down to this. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. One of the biggest things um, that we all experience um, in trying to find love or being open to love is the past baggage. Yeah. And learning how to just let that go and mm-hmm. not carry that into your relationships and any relationship, you know, really um uh companionship, friendships, family, um dynamic. Um that's just something that we yeah. have to learn to let go. And it's not easy. Oh, yeah. Um so mm-hmm. I would like to know from your perspective of dealing with that and moving forward in your relationship with your husband and how did you, how were you able to allow past baggage or hurt stay out of the way of you finding your happiness? Yeah, well, I think that is so tough 
because I, I think relationships are designed to teach us things. And so that's why it's so dangerous when we're in relationships that we shouldn't be in because we learn things. We learn habits, we learn patterns and even techniques, ways of communicating. And so I think for me, it took really just making a decision. First, acknowledging the things that I had allowed to attach to me. So with each person that I dated, you know, um, and I mean like exclusive relationships, I I had to look and say, okay, when I was with this person, I learned how to guard my emotions. Or when I was with this person, I learned how to verbally defend myself because maybe they were very sarcastic or emotionally, you know what I mean, toxic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I had to look at all those things I had learned and I had to decide to change that and to really be vulnerable. I think that was the biggest thing for me. So it was really a sober decision and it wasn't easy and it didn't happen just instantaneously. Um, Caleb, whom you've met, we have very open communication about what's working and what's not. And we had that very early on in the dating relationship. And I was also very open. So I told him, you know, different things that had happened um, in past relationships. And, and so he was aware of that. So he knew, okay, if you have an issue with trust or whatever, um, this is kind of, and not in a way where it's like letting it hang over my head, but just knowing that that's maybe a, a, an area that I could grow in. So there were times where we did class and I had to be honest with myself and say, you know what? This reminds me of when I was with, right, <laughs> you know, right. so-and-so. And is it because I'm dealing with the same kind of person or is it because I haven't changed? Mm. And so I had to make a sober decision. And that, again, did not happen instantly. There has been a lot of counseling. There's been a lot of just sharing and disclosure and also trust. I think we have to be with people who we can trust with our vulnerability to say, you know what, this is an area of maybe weakness for me. And so I need some grace here. I need some patience here because I want to grow, but I need you to help me do that. Um, So that's kind of what the journey was for me of letting stuff go. I love that. I love that being vulnerable with each other. It seems like when people, it, it seems like a lot of people, go try to go into relationships without acknowledging their 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 baggage without doing it and that is dangerous okay yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's really dangerous and I like what you I like what you said about you know being honest and telling him look these are the areas where I'm still growing and yeah being being open to telling him that and knowing that he was going to take care of that and not, you know, right. and he was, he was going to challenge you in a good way with, right. with dealing with that, you know, and a lot of people are afraid to be open and telling someone those things mm-hmm. because they think they're going to hold it over their head in a negative way. Like when they do get and, in that and sometimes argument. sometimes that happens. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like when they do yeah. get in that argument and, you know, here you come throwing that over the head, my head about something yeah. that I told you. <laughs> right. Right. And so right. the fact that it's- you felt comfortable and trusted him to care for that is major. Yeah. I, I think we just have to own our stuff. And it's like, you know, if now we don't want to do too much because I think we can, we can do, we can be transparent and vulnerable with people sometimes. And it's almost like a FYI, I'm a mess. Right. So I'm going to continue to be a mess. <laughs> right. And I, I, I think we have to be careful not to do that. I think we have to do it with the intention of saying, I care about you so much. And because I want you to be here and I want us to be healthy, these are some things that I'm working on mm. uh, on my side. So if you're cool with working together, then we can both move forward. It, it, it's all about movement. I'm not sharing this with you because I want to stay like this. I want to grow. So I think as long as we are we own our stuff and we can and really set the intention to grow from it, I think, you know, if a person isn't mature enough, and I guess I'll put that judgment call out there. If they aren't able to see that, then they're, they're probably just not it. Because I don't know who doesn't come with something. Right. I don't know anybody that doesn't come with I would be afraid to be with a person that didn't come with something. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I like what you said when, you know, I'm telling you this not because I want to stay like this. Yeah. A lot of people tell people that as a form of, this is a trait of mine. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like, hi, you know, I'm 5'9", I'm I have brown eyes, and, you know, yeah. I also have trust issues. You know, hello, take me. And that's yeah. not what that's supposed to be. I'm telling you this because I'm working on me, and I want you to know that I'm working on this. And, you know, be patient with me, be kind and help me work yeah. on this. Yeah. I yeah. Really, I really like that. And, yeah. And, and you just said it, though. Help me work on this, not fix me. You know? So yes. Kind of like, I, I would still be doing this work if you weren't here. So right. now that you are here, that's great. Now we can knock this out together because I want to love you right. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, but I don't want you to fix me. Yes. I love that. So my thing, so... You know, we know we know that pain is a negative thing um, with relationships. There's some a pain that um, yeah. from a perspective of a bad relationship and the pain that you um, that came with it. Why do we yeah. carry that pain with us, knowing that it's bad into yeah. relationships? It mm-hmm. almost feels as though, and I'm going to speak for myself. I feel yeah. like I personally, um. I feel like the pain is I, I've I've endured I've allowed it to fester so much. I feel like the pain is now a part of who I am, mm. and I've allowed the pain to define relationships. So, yeah. if that person was verbally abusive to me, I am attracted to that. Yeah, I'm attracted to that pain. Mm-hmm. And I and mm-hmm. I, I act like I don't look for it in the in another in the next relationship, but I low key am looking for that because that's what's familiar to yeah. me. That pain right. is very familiar, 
And uh-huh. that's something that we do as well. And I just want to know what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you said it. You, you know, you know that pain. And I think that even though pain is a negative experience, it's still an experience that mm-hmm. we go through. And mm-hmm. so I think, and again, I mean, I'm no expert here. I am just can only speak from my own experience. But I think as humans, we are um, prone to or attracted to things that are familiar. And sometimes that familiarity, familiarity of pain, although it's painful, it's more comfortable than the uncertainty of the unknown. Right. You know what I mean? Or the future. So we're, we're sitting there in it and we're like, yeah, it's painful, it's dysfunctional, but it's familiar. I right. know it. And I feel like because I know it, that I can control it in some kind of way. You know, at least I'm prepared for it because I've experienced it. Yeah, you already know what to expect um, from it. I, I think we, yeah, I think we hold on to old hurts because, you know, it's a way to protect ourselves from new ones. You know, I've been through this pain. And even though it's pain, I'd rather hold on to this pain than, than add a new one to the, to the bag. So right. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's something that I think we all can work on, you know, um, and not, not mm-hmm. just not just, you know, these type of uh, relationships that we're talking about, but all aspects of relationships, you know, many, many relationships with family members, which is also a big mm-hmm. thing, which is also a huge thing that I I personally personally am going through right now, um, mm-hmm. trying to mend relationships on my father's side. And it's extremely yeah. hard for me right now because I'm trying mm-hmm. to let go of the pain but I think acknowledging the pain acknowledging the hurt acknowledging it for what it was Mm -hmm. I will then be able to move past it but you know in our community in our black community in the black community you know it's it's kind of a, a, a lesson that's not verbally talked to us but you see it you know just sweep it under the rug and you know, deal oh, with yeah. it later. Oh my God! Or don't touch yes. it at all. Yes, yeah. We are not conditioned to be human beings. <laughs> you know, it's like we just take it and take it and take it and just push it under a rug. We're not taught, you know, how to process pain, how to grieve, how to move along a spectrum. And so, you know, just because something is painful, you know it's still a grieving process to let it go, whatever right. it was, in right. order to, you know, embrace what's next. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. Ne- next thing I want to talk about is, you know, the, um, the bitterness and mm-hmm. how I, I, I'll be honest. I, I will be honest. I, 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 Especially if I was in a relationship with someone and don't let me see that you acting right with the other person that you left me for. You no longer Uh, that 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 just really Mm -hmm. does something to me. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. I personally have not grown in a way to be able to look at that and not automatically say, well, they must be doing they, they must be 
you know, mm-hmm. they must be taking care of you or something. They must be doing something like that because yeah. I was right. I, I didn't do anything wrong. So it's definitely, yeah. you know, they must be catering to you in a way that you, you know, I, I right. that's just how I always look at it because I don't, I have not f- figured out the, the right way to not be mm-hmm. bitter about that type of relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, because bitterness can come from all sorts of situations, but I guess in a, in a circumstance like that pertaining to relationships, it's, um, I think number one, we have to ask ourselves, because I've experienced that, and I, I think we have to ask ourselves, am I feeling this way because it's something that I still want? And if and if I do, that's fine. But I need to know that, right? Because if that's the case, then I can acknowledge it and move on from there. But I think I don't know what what, what exactly do you want me to say to this? Because I can say a whole lot because I've <laughs> been this way. <laughs> I think I think I, I, I think my thing is that you know being bitter is it it really is. It really destroys you. It can destroy you. But don't it feel good a little bit too? I think it does feel good a little bit too. It feels good. It does feel good. It <laughs> it feels good at first. At first, right. It feels good it at does, first. It does feel good at first. But it it Go ahead. I think I think it makes us hard and callous and we mistake that callousness for strength. Yes. And so we say I'm bitter about this because nine times out of 10, you know, in my mind, you did me wrong or you're doing me wrong now by doing whatever you're doing. And so I have a right to feel this way. It's like a, we almost look at it like a righteous indignation almost. Yes. Like this is making me strong because I have something to stand on. Really we don't because it's none of our business anymore. You know, if that person, especially if they're an ex or whatever, it's like they moved on and we have to be honest with ourselves and say that we have not moved on. Right. So I think, um, bitterness, obviously it prevents us from learning anything new because it, it builds up such a, a fortified wall. And I'm using all my Bible terms. Girl, <laughs> come on. It, it, it builds up such a strong wall that it keeps anything from going out and anything from coming in. So the worst thing about bitterness really is, it's poisonous to us, but also it keeps us from learning anything new mm-hmm. or embracing anything new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, being bitter comes with um, a, a certain kind of uh, uh, people treat bitter people a certain type of way. Mm-hmm. Um, For instance, yeah. you know, black women, you know, it's. Yeah. It's a, it's a it's a strong stereotype about black women just being bitter. Yeah. And yeah. You know, it's something that I, you know, a lot of my female um black female friends have a really take offense to um uh, when people mm-hmm. confuse your um confuse bitterness with um just being assertive or just being yeah. present in the moment resilience, mo- resilience. Yeah. yeah they 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 confuse that with being bitter and don't yeah. get me wrong there are you know some bitter women in general Absolutely. not just you know black Absolutely. women 
but mm-hmm. all black women aren't bitter and right. it's a it's a really negative th- um um stereotype that is put on black women that i really don't like you know they even play it yeah. In you know movies you know that's all they want to do with black women and you know it's just something that I really hate that 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 society is making a trait of black women is like it seems Mm -hmm. as though that's the you have to be better you have to be a better black woman now to to, to have a name for yourself it seems like yeah it because as a black woman, you are constantly in fight mode. You're constantly in survival mode, whether that's um, naturally, physically speaking, or just um, with, okay, let's take corporate America, for instance. Uh-huh. You know, you come against so many microaggressions and things that you have to work through psychologically. And in the back, of your mind in the back of your mind what you're thinking is wow I have just as many credentials if not more and I'm just here to do my job but I have to combat all of this extra stuff so it it you have to put on a different face in order to just survive so I think that bitterness is often uh, just misconstrued and really what it is is just navigation like I have to navigate and if I don't put both feet flat on the ground and plow through this I'm going to get ran over so mm. um, people call it bitterness because they don't realize how hard we have to run in order just to match somebody else's stride and walking you know I think you know what what's the statement we have to be twice as good Right. Just to get half. I think that's absolutely true. Lord, don't make me get on my soapbox with this. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so, I, I mean, come on. You know, but you said it. I, I think we get labeled as bitter, but I don't think it's bitterness at all. I think it's um, a tool that we have to use in order to survive. I do. I understand. I, t- I definitely agree. Right. It's an unfortunate tool that you have to use. Right, right. Another thing that happens in um, preparing to be open to love again and to love yourself and things of that nature is we do a lot of the comparison. Um, Comparison Mm -hmm. where I am compared to where you are with your self-growth or in your relationship or how the other people are far along and things of that nature. We, We do that a lot. And, you know, a lot of it, you know, I will say a lot, a lot of it comes from social media and, you know, Mm. a lot of people just don't understand people, people ain't finna post when they're not doing well on social media. Social media is (laughs) like, is about posting, you know, happy moments. You know, we have those, we have those few people who post, you know, posts when they're not doing well, but it's not that often. Or when people do Mm -hmm. post it, people don't care. Um, Right. And that's something that we that's something that we do a lot in comparison. And, you yeah. know, I see it all the time. You know, if one more person posts they're engaged or one more person posts this and this and I'm over here mm-hmm. still doing this. You know, we see that a lot. And mm-hmm. I feel like that is that that comparison is not going to get you anywhere in your growth. No. Nope. And we, we all grow. All. We all grow differently. 
Yeah. Like there's, yeah. It's, there's not one way to, there's not one way to the, to the end. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I just wanted to know, like, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think that's so dangerous. And I, I think I feel that way because I've done it. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> it's I, I hard not work. to. It's hard not to because you see it and you'll you'll do it and not even know that you do it. And I'm 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 such an aesthetic lover. Like I love how things look, how things feel. Like I like to produce. And so when it comes to myself, I'll drive myself crazy because I want everything to tell a story and I want everything to be this and and I just do way too much. And and seeing somebody else's grand adventure just doesn't help anything you know it's such a mm, i don't know what i say it's an antagonist but it's such an enemy to productivity Mm -hmm. it really really is because you look at what somebody else is doing and maybe you've come a long way in your journey but you'll see one post from one person yep that that you feel like is a, a step above you and you'll just totally throw away all of your progress yes, and all of your commitment and all of your hard work and all of your focus just because you don't think it measures up yes. to what you're seeing somebody else do who you don't know what they're going through. Yes. They could be on the verge of anything. You know what I mean? So I, it's, we can talk about this in so many different ways, but I think we have to be so careful um so careful with that because it's so dangerous it's very dangerous distraction yeah it's a distraction we forget who we are we forget what we're working for because we're looking at joe blow and boogie and thinking they got it all figured out yeah and really joe blow and boogie is is calling us for advice it's happened to me like, people will call me asking me how to do stuff or call for my thoughts. And I'm like, wow, I was just comparing myself and feeling like a loser. Mm. <laughs> and, they're, and they're calling me asking for insight, you know. So we have to, and, and I don't know how much I can say. I don't want to turn this into something that you didn't plan. But we have to just be conscious of what God says about us. Absolutely. And what he feels about us. You're free to go there on this podcast. Okay. I, see, I, I didn't know. You're free. You really are free. Back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just my belief. We have to stay mindful. I mean, to the point where we put it on a sheet of paper or a post-it note and, and put it up on our wall. This is what God feels about me. Please. Right. And if he feels that way, it's just, who, who am yes. I to say anything different? Yes. And I have this little bit of knowledge about me. Well, he knew me from the beginning of time. Yes. So, yeah. I, yeah. I don't it, know how we got there, but. Hey. Go ahead. We got there. You know, the whole comparison thing is something that if I had to do a scale of Cordero's issues, comparison <laughs> is probably at the top, the, the very top. And mm. it's it's been an issue for me for a long time with um especially with relationships. I mm. um especially in me, you know, being gay, um, in my community, I see I don't see many representations of people like me. 
you know, of my size or of someone like me. And so, you know, I it's always very big, you know, to be slim fit and, you know, things like that. And those are the representations I see. So, you know, I do get a little comparison of, well, maybe once I get to the size I'm supposed to be at, you know, I'll find my significant other or this will happen Mm -hmm. for me or these things will happen for me. So that's something that I have really been working on with my therapist um, because even when I do get to that size, it's not going to be the right way if I don't start, start the journey with already loving who I am. Yeah. And until Mm -hmm. I, love me for me and I want to be better for me mm-hmm. healthier for me nothing else yeah. is going to ever feel right right or ever be right right yeah and so yeah. that's where I am now trying to get to that part of loving me where I'm at and knowing that yeah. where I'm at is not where I want to be but I love me mm-hmm. right here and I'm going to get to where I am by already loving where I am now. Yeah. If that makes any sense yeah. of what I just said. Oh no, it makes, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. And that was, you know, a project I had to really make for myself was, um, loving myself better, you know, and, um, being intentional about it. Yes. You know, um, sometimes looking at my life in a third person view, you know, because I can give all this advice to everybody else. I can help all these other problems. But then when it comes to myself, I'm so rough on myself. Yes. You know, I don't I don't give myself any grace. I don't give myself any time. I'm not patient. I'm always in a hurry, you know, and just so much bad self-talk. So now, you know, I'm intentional with, you know, after I talk to God in the morning, you know, I look, I look at myself and I say, you know what, Cherish, <laughs> what, what do you really need today? How can, how can we make that happen? And that, and that may sound crazy, but maybe today what I need is to just sit on the couch. Right. <laughs> maybe I need to just not do anything, but it's. It's about self-care, self-talking, and really treating yourself like you would treat somebody else that you love. Um, and why do we do that? Why so, do why do we why do we're so quick to beat ourselves up? And I know we're going we off. Do. We're going off because this just spoke to me. We are so quick to beat each uh, ourselves up and not give us grace. Yeah. But when our but it's, if someone calls us for some words of encouragement, we're so quick to give it. We can yeah. give other people words of encouragement, but we can't encourage oh, yeah. ourselves. Because we see their value and we see their potential and we're okay with that. But we have a hard time seeing that with ourselves. Wow. It, I really think it's about reaching a good balance of not being cocky, not being arrogant, not being full of ourselves, but to acknowledge where have I come from? Mm-hmm. I'll, let me look at the progress that I've made. Yes. And if I didn't know me, what would I say to me? You know, not as me, but as just somebody else. What, what would I say to me if I were somebody else? You know, I think we we see all of our little intricate issues or weird quirks 
or weaknesses. We know so much about ourselves that we forget that there's still more to learn. Yes. And so we block off all of that future knowledge and experience based on our current knowledge. And that's so unfair to us. Mm. Because we give everybody else so much grace. Yes. Like, let, let me just cherish an opportunity. Let me give her some time to grow and to experience and let me see good things for her. You know, just like I would do my little sister or my mentee or my cousin, my mom, whoever, you know. So. Yeah, that's some, that's some good stuff. Yeah. What about, um, you know, expectations is, is another thing that we hold dear on to, you know, you know, mm. we, we, ex- we, we go into a lot of situations with, well, we do, we do, we do two things depending on where you are. Sometimes we don't go into situations with expectations. Um, and then sometimes <laughs> we go into them with over expectations and then we get burned. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, some, and and then you blame other people for that burn when it was you for, right. for having the expectation that that was going to happen with that. Yeah. You know, oh, and, and that's something, yeah. you know, we can't never hold ourselves accountable and blame ourselves for anything. And mm-hmm. it's it's just easier. <laughs> Let's just, just put it out there. It's easy to blame it and put it on someone else. It's extremely easy. Oh, and absolutely. I get it. You know. Absolutely. And that's just expectations and just how we especially going into a relationship or anything like that like what um when you when you met your husband mm-hmm. and or, or just or not when you met him but when you decided okay I'm this is I'm ready for we're going to go into the phase of the relationship part did mm-hmm. you go into it with any expectation? Like, how does that part of it work? <laughs> because I don't know at this point <laughs> oh I um I was in such a different season when I met him. Um, there was so much about me that I was just I was doing a lot of exploration. Just say I I had made a decision. You know the things I've experienced before, the things I've learned before. I'm open to new ideas. But even with that, when we actually became exclusive and said, "Okay, we're going to try this," I still had huge expectations Uh (laughs) like I still had this entire image of how you better talk to me right (laughs) how you better (laughs) treat me (laughs) what I better feel like when you come through that door you know what I mean I had so much expectation and I think it it feeds back into what you were saying earlier that comparison yeah. and social media I think a, a lot of it is like a, it's like the new storybook yes. you know it's like the adult storybooks of our time you know we're little kids we read all these fairy tales and then when we grow up we have social media and we still see fairy tales but with real people and so but not just that also um church life I, I hate to say it you know religion yeah. You know, when I was coming up as a young adult in the church, it was always, how are you preparing yourself to be a wife and to submit? Because you're going to submit to this kind of man. Mm. And you see your youth pastors, you see your mentors, you see your leaders. And in your mind, you, you create that image and you say, oh, so this is the kind of man I'm going to marry. 
you know, you haven't thought about, is that kind of person compatible with me? Is that the direction God wants for my life? You don't, well, I didn't think about any of that. So when I met Caleb, um, again, I was open to new things, but I still had a lot to chip down. But he is unapologetically himself. So it didn't take me very long <laughs> because y'all are hilarious. He was kind of like, uh, I don't know. What, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, girl. <laughs> but <laughs> he still did. He still did the core thing. You know, um, he knows I like romance, you know, flowers and like the, the main stuff was right. intact. You right. know, I wasn't being disrespected. I wasn't being abused. Right. Um, that kind of stuff, that, that's non-negotiable. But I just think, um, I, I think it's hard. I think we walk that out, can walk that out over the course of a lifetime because we're so programmed to desire certain things based on what we see, yes. based on what's proactively ingrained in us, yes. um, based on environments that we've had to survive in. Yes. We could not even know that that's our expectation, but we attract that sort of thing because of how we've been built, yes. you know, based on our environment. So, um, yeah, that expectation is, is a real thing, and it can get you in some serious trouble, <laughs> and you'll not even know it. You're like, wait a minute. Oh, this is who you are? Right. Three years later. Oh, I thought you were this other person. No. Yes. No. People are people, not characters. So that's true. Yeah. How does how does family dynamic play a role? Um, oh. for <laughs> not the oh. who of uh, in oh. relationships. Um, especially if you have, especially if you've been. Well, it goes both ways. Whether you were brought up with your mother and father, it, sometimes you date according to what you saw. And according to mm -hmm. what you experienced, you know, in your life uh, with your parents or whomever raised you, um, sometimes that plays a very big role in who you are looking for in um, in a mate. And yeah, I think I think that we don't pay attention to how that affects us. Mm -hmm. And yeah. We, we 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 kind of ignore it until it comes up later but again it's like one of those things like in your environment like you were saying you know there are certain things you're there are certain ways you are raised or certain things that happen in your environment that are embedded in you and you bring uh -huh. that into dating and looking for someone and don't even really realize that you are doing it yeah um so Family expectations, did, did family play a, a big role for you? Did it ever play a big role for you when you have decided to be with someone? Oh, for sure. I mean, and on so many levels. That's probably been, the, aside from me being in the relationship, that was like the other big factor. Oh, okay. <laughs> the family piece. Um, my first real boyfriend, I didn't start dating until I was, how old was I? I think I was 21. I had 
like I went to prom and I had guy friends and like I went out a couple times because mm-hmm. my mom let me do that in order to like I guess get my feet wet before prom. <laughs> but I didn't really date. Like I didn't have those kind of relationships. So my first real boyfriend was um, at the age of twenty one. Oh wow! And yeah, and before we went out, you know, my mom's a, a pastor, and so <laughs> before we went out. She wanted to go out with him, with me, and and get lunch. And her first thing was, who are you and why are you in my daughter's life? And my jaw, <laughs> I think, hit the table. <laughs> and that man's eyes was like, what? I just, I just think he's cute. Like, I don't, I don't know. So, it, I mean, so it played a part as a blocker. <laughs> And then it also played a part because um, you see how your parents um, relate to one another or how they don't. So my dad was not there. He was not in my life. And I didn't realize how much of an impact that had on me until I was grown. Mm. You know, as a kid, you get used to saying, oh, my, my dad, whatever. You know, you get that little attitude. But then I got older in my 20s and that attitude turned into pain Mm. um, and hurt and sadness and it was so many times I wanted to I just wanted a male perspective you know and and not somebody who was going to try to date me or anything I wanted pure affection from a male and I hadn't really experienced that and so I started to really grow in my anger toward him. And so that was happening around the same time that I was experiencing dating. And so I can already, you already know how that was manifesting itself. Right. (laughs) A total train wreck. Right. And I'm very reserved and stuff. So it never got out of pocket, but I was very guarded. I was very guarded dating men. I was, uh, I was pretty hard on them as well. Now, some of that was wisdom because it kept me out of trouble. Exactly. <laughs> but um, it did keep me out of some unnecessary situations, but I was extremely hard on men. And what I wanted was what I wanted because I felt like I deserved that. And if and if you weren't meeting those standards, if I felt like you were like too much of a jerk or you needed to grow, it was like immediate oh, okay, well, I'll catch it, you know, next lifetime. Like, I wasn't interested in figuring it out. Right. I was very black and white dating, um, but because my dad wasn't there, just to give me that balance and that grace, I just had a no, I just had no tolerance for any sort of mistake. Right. Or or anything like that with men. And that's a long explanation. I don't know if that's what you were looking for. Yeah. But... Yeah, because yeah. It, it, show, it, it showed, it showed, you know, your father's yeah. absence, how it, you know, triggered certain things or didn't trigger certain things um, while you were dating. So it yeah. definitely explains it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you guys, we have, I- a, we have a part two to this um, because <laughs> we can keep talking forever. But we want you guys to dissect what we were talking about. And on our part two, we're going to really go in with, you know, loving yourself and um, 
really want to talk about how you know just just breaking down the breaking down the layers of yourself and how once you break down all those layers you will be open to love and it will just feel it will be so natural and it just comes naturally once you break down those layers of yourself first and you know there are certain things in our life that come naturally you know some things that we do come naturally you know we learn quickly and we learn that that's because we practiced and we trained ourselves for that and when you love yourself and you really care about yourself there are certain things you just instantly know is going to work and there are things that you instantly know won't work and so we're gonna talk about that so um before we leave cherish can you um tell the people Mm -hmm. about your podcast and how to follow you oh yes i can come on girl plug yourself Um, I host a podcast called Your Creative Best, and uh, what I do on there is I, I talk to people just about their amazing stories, and I, I help present tools to people um, just to help anyone listening do their best in life, do their creative best. So it's on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Um, I'm on Instagram, Cherish.Ground, and I'm happy to be here. Yes, so Cherish is going to stick around, and but we will talk to you guys later. To follow me on social media, you can go to Instagram. I'm very active on Instagram. Um, it's Cordero underscore Santiago. Follow me on Instagram to just stay in touch with everything I'll talk about. I'll update you on um, the upcoming episodes and things to look forward to. I'm so excited that I have an email address now for you guys to send me requests for topics any questions you have regarding a topic that I've already discussed or if you just want to vent about something that's going on in your life that you want me to talk about on an episode I have an email address for you to do all of those things the email is darrowdaresyou at gmail.com so I'll spell that for you darrow d-a-r-o d-a-r-e s-u darrowdaresyou at gmail.com send me an email 